Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inchak with Fintech, the PCN podcast series where we talk to industry experts about payments and fintech, from open banking to blockchain and much more. Enjoy listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the new episode of PCN Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip. Today, I'm your host, and I have a very special guest with us here today. Um, hi, Sebastian. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for uh, for letting me here on the show and happy to be here. Of course, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, today, we're going to be talking again about compliance. We're going to be mentioning crypto and the current situation on the market, which we know it's quite interesting. Uh, why don't we start with you, Sebastian? Uh, can you maybe introduce yourself and tell us what's kind of your background in this space? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Philip. Um, so my background is I come from traditional finance, as a lot of people do in uh, crypto. Uh, so I started also as a management consultant here in Frankfurt um, then was working um, in Zurich for Credit Suisse in the investment banking, in the risk and compliance department. And uh, after uh, going back to consulting, then I moved into the crypto world. First was a head of compliance for eToro here in Germany and helped up build up the team uh, and help them with the licenses here in Germany. And um, yeah, currently I'm employed in Ember Group and helping them with their compliance efforts here in Europe. Awesome, perfect. And when we talk about compliance, Sebastian, what would you say, what's your definition? What is compliance? Compliance is uh, um, the fulfilling of internal and external rules. Um, so that can be either a code of conduct towards your customers or external rules would be the regulator rules. So I think that for me is always uh, the most concise definition. Okay, awesome. And you mentioned you've you've worked as a head of compliance. Can you tell us maybe how does a day look like as a head of compliance for a crypto exchange? <laughs> yeah, of course. So. Um, I mean, my day as a head of compliance um, was starting with with small things um, because we started basically from nothing here in Germany with eToro. So we had to first hire the team, bring everybody on board and uh, also find the office location. Um, so in the oh, beginning, wow. it was a really, um, really startup feel, right? Um, and um, after then you started, you get everybody on board then the then the real work um, began and we prepared for our license applications with BaFin. so we um we um, applied for two licenses that's a proprietary trading license and the crypto custody license and that of course as you can imagine uh, was a lot of work right so you have to um you have to prepare all the documents that BaFin wants to see and BaFin as being mm-hmm. a more strict regulator but also a renovated uh, regulator in in europe and also in the world uh, they have high standards so you have to make sure that everything is up up to code um and that was the one part of uh, of my uh, daily uh, daily business that kept me bus- uh, busy for a long time and then the other part was uh, managing the team especially mm-hmm. in regards to aml because um, we managed the aml alerts in germany and so we were responsible to making sure everything is safe and um, there's no money laundering going on or there's no fraud going on. So you have to look into the transactions of uh, of all the customers, look at reports, and uh, that keeps you quite busy. And 
besides that, then there are also other smaller projects um, to increase efficiency, for example, or prepare for other upcoming mm -hmm. regulations like the, uh, like the travel rule. Yeah, well, I can definitely imagine all this kept you busy, but what I find quite interesting, obviously, you know, we have a lot of candidates um, listening to these calls as well. You basically had to build a team for a crypto exchange in Germany, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. How, how do you come across with something so new, so fresh, um, and yet um, still you need someone who is experienced in compliance? Right. Um, so, I mean, the ideal candidate, of course, would have um, experience in both crypto and traditional finance already, but mm -hmm. because crypto is still quite young and uh, exactly, yeah. Say, yeah, and as we say, we are early, right? Um, so that means that you often don't find candidates that have prior crypto experience, which is also not mandatory because you can pick it up and learn it, uh, learn it while, while you're in the business in itself. Um, but important is mostly um, that you have um, prior experience in, for example, financial crime or compliance from consulting or banking. Mm, I see. Okay, there you go, guys. Now you heard it. Um, okay, thanks for that. Uh, let's let's touch into some a bit more modern topics. Um, CBDCs, obviously yes. a very big topic recently coming in, especially with Mika, with European yeah. crypto regulations. What's your uh, overview on CBDCs and do you think there is a future for them? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a hot debate topic and I also know that uh, some people uh, have very strong opinions about it because um, the reason for that is mostly that people fear that it could be um, leading to more um, to more control by the government, right? The government then might have, uh, depending on how they would implement it, they might have control or see what you buy and uh, what you what you spend your money on. And a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people um, feel a bit uncomfortable with that, but. I mean, that doesn't have to be the case, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, our finance minister here in Germany, he recently uh, said that there's no, um, that there should be the same privacy features for a future CBDC currency than we currently have for, for, our, uh, for our cash, right? So that would mean that they wouldn't save the transactions and that they shouldn't be um, available to the government. So. If that if that happens and if it would be designed in that way, I think um, CBDCs definitely have a future, and I think they they will come at a certain point. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see also the international um, development because, for example, <clears throat> China has been working on it for a long time. Also, has rolled it out in a couple of cities, so they're much more advanced in that um, in that stage. Here in Europe, uh, takes a bit more time, and we're also a bit more worried about the privacy of the of the citizens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, now that you mentioned this, it really reminded me recently I've attended this open expo in Amsterdam about mm -hmm. open banking. And they also mentioned, you know, obviously stable coins can really help banks move and shift uh, large sums of money anywhere in the world at any time. But uh, obviously, if there is a CBDC stable coin, which is backed by a fiat currency during this kind of a high inflation um, um, moments, mm -hmm. do you think that's sustainable? Um, 
Well, if it would be backed then by uh, by fiat money, right? Then of course also the the stable coin would uh, get inflation through that. Um, but what people um, are using, for example, other stable coins for is to to get out of the inflation in countries where they have a lot of inflation. Let's say Africa, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, or also South America. So I think. For those countries, especially, um, it's a it's a great way to um, to get their money into safer heavens. Of course, they could also do that through the traditional uh, banking system in buying dollars or euros, for example. But um, crypto is a lot easier for them to use in a lot of ways because you know um, traditional banking buying dollars, you need a brokerage account, you have high fees. Crypto, you mostly can do from your from your smartphone or from your laptop, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. a bit, bit easier. And I think the use case for um, developing countries in that sense is a bit stronger. But I'm also um, excited for um, stable coins here in Europe because so far all the stable coins are denoted in US dollar, right? So yeah. Um, but I read recently that. Um, that we should get a euro uh, stable coin soon or that they are in development and um, i think that also will further then push the um, crypto adoption here in europe yeah yeah that's very interesting what you mentioned and i actually have a couple friends in argentina and they told me obviously they have a very bad situation with pesos there and they mentioned that uh, a large part of argentinians now are actually shifting their funds into stable coins and like you said i guess Sometimes crypto exchanges have a quicker maybe in KYC procedures rather than actually getting, you know, in touch with uh, some American bank, uh, which we know can be quite hard from a foreign country. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to go through the KYC and so on. So that can and be so on. Exactly. Yeah. No, awesome. Um, the only reason I'm mentioning this, because obviously, you know, Mika got really encouraged by the whole Luna Terra situation. Yeah. Uh, it's an example how algorithmic stablecoin did not work. Um, didn't really work out no. exactly and currently we're also having issues obviously with FTX what happened in the last past days yeah. um could you maybe talk a little bit about that and what's your perspective as a you know a senior compliance expert yeah right thank you um so with with Terra Luna of course um like uh, Luna was a yield promising coin right so you could earn around I think it was 16 16 percent or something like yeah that, high, huge yield yeah exactly a huge yield especially um at the time i think our interest rate was still a bit lower so it was even better and but the way the system was designed was that it only could um work if always new funds of user funds would come into the system to basically sustain that um that yield and i think mika um as you mentioned it um definitely can be a great great first step uh, for Europe to um, set some boundaries in that regard. Um, but of course, we also have to think about that um, the crypto crypto world is highly globalized, right? So it's not only happening in Europe and Europe always has stronger, stronger regulations. So those companies might not come to Europe or offer their services out of Europe. Uh, so it's a fine balance of not putting too much regulation or um, and to keep the companies interested in Europe because otherwise they might just go elsewhere. But yeah, as you mentioned, the, the mm-hmm. FTX, uh, I want to call it a debacle, right? <laughs> because it was it was quite a shock, I would say, for everybody. For sure, and for I, sure. And I don't think 
a lot of people have uh, seen it coming. There were some rumors, uh, which is basically how it started about the balance sheet of Alameda and FTX. And um, yeah, and then it developed rapidly uh, into, into a liquidity run, how we um, how we know it from the old traditional banking world, right? So, so far, um, that's where it comes from. But now it happened in, in crypto as well. And users tried to get their funds off the platform and they couldn't because they disabled the, the withdrawals. Yeah. So Crazy. I think um, definitely feel for a lot of people who uh, lost a lot of money. And I still hope that the situation clears out in favor of the users, of the customers, and also to the benefit of the whole crypto system. Because, um, I mean, it shows that um, compliance is very important and it will become even more important because you need compliance to, to get the trust of users. So it's basically, in a way, in my opinion, at least, it's uh, one of the first steps um, before creating any crypto business that you need to, um, to create trust. Um, for users to come on board. And I think, especially now after the whole FDX uh, story, that will become a lot more important. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I agree with everything you said. And like we mentioned just before the podcast, um, this kind of whole situation damaged the trust of the cryptocurrencies, right? Yes. And um, especially, like we said, I mean, FTX had so many partnerships in the last year um, with the name The Arena in Miami, right? Um, yeah. Working with, you know, I think Shaquille O'Neal as well and all these big faces who also kind of shield. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they also kind of shield the coin. So their reputation is also damaged now. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously on them as well but um it's gonna take some time to recover yeah i mean overall i think how a lot of from what i read uh, on twitter and so on uh how how people see it uh, i mean the reasons have to be to be uh, later on discovered what the real reason was that it went so wrong um but you know there are some rumors um for example that they also might have used customer funds right yeah to to gamble with that and invest and you know go into the market yeah, that's mad up, yeah build up these huge positions but i think for example in mika um you have a um you have a part which states that um that is officially forbidden right in some countries that's already the case like in germany with the current crypto regulation but in some other countries they don't really have that or they might not have a crypto regulation yet so it's not legally forbidden to do that even though of course it's highly ethical and uh, also business-wise questionable why why you would do that right mm -hmm. this, uh, this is very uh, good you mentioned because it's obviously very important to actually look into regulations of centralized exchanges you think your money is yeah. safe but obviously everything can go away in a day yeah definitely i mean what was it uh 14 he lost uh, 14 billion within a day or something like that. That is insane. Crazy, insane. Only in crypto. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> exactly. That's why we're here. And I like the fact I mentioned decentralized exchanges. Obviously, you know, a lot of investors and myself, uh, I prefer to keep, you know, my investments and funds on the chain. Right. um which is decentralized in a way, right? Um yeah. do, do you think there's a future for compliance on the blockchain itself? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm still want to see some more innovation in that space because I think the future of compliance kind of would um, 
would go towards automated compliance in a way, right? We also see that in a way um, in audit. Um, so if companies audit other companies uh, currently how they do it, they're creating more and more uh, data connection between the companies that they're auditing and the auditors. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that we're going into that direction with compliance as well, because um, for example, if you could write smart contracts um, that would automatically deliver you certain compliance relevant KPIs that you then can put into a report. You don't really have to dig in yourself and find it out um, by yourself if, uh, if all is uh, going according to plan, but you could automate through smart contracts or other blockchain technology. So I think um, definitely that's what I would, would like to see. And I also think that's where the future is. Um, yeah. No, for sure. I think it's definitely one of those debates, you know, on one hand, you have an investor saying, you know, I'm in this for decentralization. I want to keep my funds private. I don't want the government to have the intake. But at the same time, you know, no one is responsible if your money is gone. So you have half of the community thinking this way and the other half of the community actually embraces the regulations. Yeah, I mean, um, on the debate of decentralized versus uh, centralized and i think we still um will definitely need centralized exchanges even though there's a quite a boom right now for decentralized exchanges right which is in a way uh, uh, you know it all has pros and cons uh, they offer very easy uh, very easy customer experience you can onboard very quickly sometimes there's even no kyc but of course that also comes with with risks right because centralized exchanges normally i mean if ftx proved us wrong here but uh, normally uh, they regulated right and the regulators have an eye on them but um, I mean, FTX was based out of Bahamas, so I, I still feel like um, the crypto crypto world needs to be regulated where the customers are, are being served. Um, so, for example, in Germany, then there should be strong regulation looking into the centralized exchanges here in Germany. And um, I think we are not there yet, so uh, yeah. some way to go. Definitely. I mean, there are obviously some countries who are a bit more crypto friendly than some others. Um, with you yeah. being from Germany, what do you think the future of regulations in Germany are? Um, I mean, the next step is that uh, Germany will have to change their current regulation. Um, or like all the companies that work here have to change their, um, their current regulation to the upcoming Mika because there are some differences, right? Yeah. So you kind of have to adapt that. But I feel like in Germany, um, we have doing a lot of things right um, because we have provided uh, some security, right? And a framework for companies to operate in. A lot of companies have been waiting or are waiting for Mika. And so there are currently not too many clear rules in some countries. But I feel like, um, as, as I said before, um, we should um, definitely embrace regulation because I think it's necessary for the trust of the users because one of the reasons people trust the banking system more or less some people don't but let's just assume <laughs> <laughs> let's just assume um it's because they are highly regulated and they have been there for a long long time so and that's in a way also where we want to get with crypto but not with all the legacy regulation and all the slow processes and so on but we want to have that trust that the banking system has so i think that's that's definitely important
No, I agree completely. Um, and it's very interesting now, not only the banks, but actually a lot of payments companies who are usually this bridge between banks and payments yeah. are getting involved as well, right? Building on the blockchain. I know Visa announced it, MasterCard did, American Express. Um, we're living in a very interesting times. Yeah, I mean, um, despite all the bad news, um, there are also what we have seen in the recent months is that big players invested more than new crypto funds coming out and so on. And as you say, MasterCard, those big, big companies also exploring the blockchain more and more. So I don't think, um, or I'm absolutely sure that the development won't stop, right? We keep building and um, we, we keep focusing on getting better. Um, but as a space is quite young, we always have to make sure that mm -hmm. we rule out those bad actors. And I think for that, we definitely need good compliance and uh, good compliance people as your listeners maybe. Yeah, 100%. And like you said, the space at the moment feels a little bit almost like a trial and error model, something like yeah. that, <laughs> which is very interesting with the new technology. And it's normal at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it's just tough when this new technology involves so much funds, then, you know, it gets a yeah. bit emotional. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot or is still a lot of money in the market. And I think um, if that wouldn't be the case, probably nobody would really write about it, right? But because there's so much money and there's so much attention, then of course it uh, also gets um, uh, looked at a lot, yeah. No, for sure. Okay, perfect. Well, Sebastian, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, thanks for your insight. Maybe for the end, for all of our listeners, I know you mentioned it briefly, but again, um, if someone was to really make it in compliance or wants to work mm -hmm. in crypto or any traditional financial institutions, how would they stand out today at the market? What do they need to do? Um, standing out, of course, it's always good to have a good company on a CV where you come from like a, um, a top tier bank or a top consulting company. And then there's also, I think what is really important is the networking. So go to crypto events in, in Germany, in the Netherlands, wherever you are and go to these events and talk to people and find connections into the industry. And then what can also help is doing some certificates. For example, I have the, the uh, ACAM certificate, right? So that's a money laundering, um, anti-money laundering certificate. And um, those things can also help to stand out because you show that you're qualified for, for financial crime or compliance mm -hmm, position. Definitely. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for those really uh, concrete tips. Um, really, thank you for your time, Sebastian. I think our listeners are going to benefit a lot from your insights into the markets and compliance space. Um, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the time, Philip, and talk to you soon. No worries. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Inchak with Fintech. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below to join the discussion. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to stay updated with the latest episodes from our podcast.